hey everybody, Mike Griffith here. Welcome to tonight's Angles on the Beat. Let's talk Georgia football, right? So Kirby tonight uh, with the Athens touchdown club appearance, from what I understand. Don't know what he's going to be telling the masses. I know that uh, he really didn't have a whole lot to say to the media on Saturday. And, and in all fairness, you know, Kirby typically doesn't like to say a whole lot until he's watched the film. He kind of gives us general thoughts, uh, said it was a productive scrimmage, said that there was, I guess, the ones and the twos had about 50 snaps each, about 120 or 130 snaps. Typical for a second scrimmage, a final scrimmage, you get 50 to the ones, you get 50 to the twos, the last 30 or so to the, the walk-ons on the threes. Felt like he saw more explosive plays. Now, you know, to me, the explosive thing is kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because we know Keely Ringo is a young guy out there. Uh, we know DK, Darian Kendrick is out there, the transfer from Clemson. Uh, not sure about Kimber and where he's at in the rotation, but Amir Speed is another guy that, you know, I like Amir. I'm, I'm actually, or Amir, I'm actually bullish uh, on Amir Speed, more bullish on him than Ringo right now, uh, just because of the experience, the size, the length, and some of the matchup issues that Clemson is going to pose with some longer, uh, faster receivers. I think the Clemson receiving core is probably the most underestimated element of this game. A lot of these guys weren't up to snuff last year. I'm not just talking about Justin Ross. I'm talking about just overall in general. So uh, the big plays, on the one hand, that's good. You expect to hear that Jermaine Burton is making big plays when he's out there. Uh, Jermaine Burton's durability Probably my number two concern with the Georgia offense behind when Warren Erickson gets back. And, you know, to me right now, it's a one game season, right? Like when I think about Darnell Washington being out after surgery, and when I think about Tyke Smith being out after surgery, I say, okay, these guys are out for the opener. They'll be back for the stretch run when it matters. I think they'll be back before the Florida game to me. Uh, you should be able to win all these other games, even without Tyke and Darnell. The Clemson game, though, you know, you're playing a great coaching staff. Uh, Dabble Sweeney, uh, you know, I, I don't understand. Some people aren't as high on him as I am. I think he's done a great job building a, a dynamo. I mean, the guy's gone two and two against Alabama in the playoff, and Clemson doesn't have the resources that Alabama does. It has the disadvantage in many ways of the ACC. Now, there's an advantage in the sense that Clemson shows up, wins the league. But the disadvantage is they don't see real prime ability and test you out uh, until they get to the college football playoffs. So I, I think Dabble's done a really good job there. Uh, I think this is probably going to be one of his more challenging uh, teams because he lost the number one draft pick. And when I talk about three reasons why I think Georgia will win this game, uh, I'm going to start with the quarterbacks, and I'm going to give Georgia the advantage over DJ uh, Ugalele. And not because I don't think DJ won't be a prolific big-time quarterback. I think he will. But it's early in his career, not a lot of game experience, right? I, I, you know, he played Boston College. Uh, he was able to win that game. And then he played Notre Dame, and he wasn't able to win that game. And that's with a first-round running back, right? So I kind of think DJ's offensive line – is going to be overmatched by the Georgia front. And I think this is a game of mistakes. Uh, who makes the fewer mistakes? Who keeps the quarterback upright? And I like Georgia better there. I like it because JT went through an entire freshman campaign, Southern Cal, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. He weathered that storm. And then last year, coming in, playing three games in the SEC, and – putting up some astounding numbers when you take a look at what he was able to do with a 64% third down conversion rate against the SEC. Now, again, he's going to be challenged by this Clemson defensive front, no doubt about it. But I think JT is more game savvy than DJ. He beat him twice in high school. I know that was then and this is now. But to me, that's kind of a mental edge when you face somebody twice and they lost to you twice and it was big time Southern California high school football and it was years ago, but I think that gives JT the upper hand psychologically. And I also think that 
JT has a better offensive line, even though it's in makeshift form, even though a lot's riding on Cedric Van Pran. I mean, I'm 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 betting on Cedric Van Pran. You know, Clemson also doesn't know who its center is going to be, or at least hasn't announced it. They move, they may move Matt Bockers there and all ACC linemen. So Clemson has center issues as well. Um, so with both teams having offensive line issues, with both teams facing ferocious defensive fronts, uh, even though I think DJ is the more mobile of the two quarterbacks, I think JT is the guy that can handle the pressure better and make fewer mistakes. So that's my first reason why I'm going with Georgia over Clemson. Yeah, we're, what, 12, 13, 12 days away. It's hard to believe, right? My number two reason for Georgia over Clemson, you know, you've heard me talk a lot about the quarterback matchup. Well, when I first saw this matchup, when I first saw this game on the schedule, you know, my eyes lit up and I thought, man, we're going to see a shootout in Charlotte, 38, 35, 41, 38, big scores. Well, as camp has gone on for Georgia, they've had a hard time keeping these receivers healthy. Right. Jermaine Burton, as I said, you know, he's been fragile. Uh, Karis Jackson with the offseason arthroscopic surgery came back wearing a brace. Um, where will he be at in that recovery? Of course, we all know that Eric Gilbert uh, was a guy that Georgia thought maybe could give him a lift. He's been off with personal reasons. I don't expect him to contribute in this game. Not saying that he won't dress or be there. I don't know, but I don't think he's seen enough time to be much of a contributor, even if he dresses out. George Pickens still out. Uh, Dominic Blaylock is a guy Kirby has said little about lately. Last we knew, Dom was just straight line running and was not back in the mix. That'd be a guy that if he came back uh, mid-season or early season, he would provide a really nice lift, and I, and I think they need him. Uh, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, and Adani Mitchell at the X, these are capable guys. I'm not ready to say they're first-round guys. And something I think it's important for Georgia fans to recognize, really all fans to recognize, is a quarterback is truly only as good as his supporting cast. A drop-back quarterback, a pocket quarterback. Some quarterbacks that can scramble and make things happen, the Justin Fields, the Cam Newtons. Uh, these are guys that can extend plays. Part of why I love Joe Burrow was Joe's ability to stretch plays out. I don't think JT has that kind of mobility. And so I think he's got a little bit more mobility than Jake. But like Jake, I think he's going to have to rely on his receivers to make plays. Now, Todd Munkin has come in. He's a former receivers coach. And he's helped Cortez Hankton out a lot. So I think we're going to see the best coached group of receivers that we've seen at Georgia, maybe ever, under Kirby Smart. Because I know Munkin is such a stickler. And I know Hankton is buckling down. Uh, we saw, what, five receivers transfer in the last year because these young guys have come in and outplayed some of the uh, upperclassmen that transferred away. They couldn't beat out these young guys. That said, it's an inexperienced group. And because of the losses of the tight ends, and we know Darnell's probably out, we've heard John Fitzpatrick miss scrimmage one. Kirby wouldn't give Fitzpatrick status for scrimmage two. I don't blame him. Right. It's our job to ask. It's Kirby's job to decide whether or not to answer. I don't see Clemson putting out its injury report until college football gets some rules like the NFL with injury reports. Coaches are going to continue uh, not to be transparent. Now, I, I had some people challenge this on Twitter and they said players aren't commodities. Well, actually, they are because they're taking NIL deals now and they're representing companies. And because there's legalized gambling, that makes teams a commodity. And so when, for example, the underworld, organized crime, whatever you want to call it, they know the injury report, okay? They can get to people that can get them the information, right? Go wild and crazy here, like gun control. The bad guys can always get the guns, right? The bad guys can always get the game information. Is that so, is to make sorry about that. Looks like my uh, computer is getting some, some feedback volume here. Um, one of those sites. Don't you hate that? You got a website up and just start playing an ad randomly. You're almost like never going to that website again. Um, 
But the bad guys, the gamblers, the guys that set the odds, the sharks, they're always going to have the injury information. It's worth it to them to pay a team manager to get a tip, uh, to have one of the agents runners that's closely associated with the team. Because you got agents all over programs now. Every program in America, there's agents swarming because you can say NIL. But, of course, what they're really going to try to do is get in early with these kids. This is this is one of those unintended consequences that no one's talking about is the introduction to agents much earlier above board. And you can say, well, he's just there to help him with the NIL. Okay. Sure he is. Right. You don't think he's going to try to set himself up with that kid in the future. Hey, listen, I got this NIL deal for you, but here's another 100,000. If you promise to sign with me when your eligibility is up, you don't think, those conversations are happening. Of course they are uh, because that's how agents operate. Right. And, and not all agents, but it's a competitive world. It's about getting to the kids. It's about getting in early. And now with the NIL, you've, you've, you've opened the door and said, come on in. Anybody can come in. So getting back to my point here, eventually college football needs to have an injury report because right now the general public that's betting and it is sports betting is legalized in so many states now, are at a huge disadvantage to the people with the connections and the people that are making the odds. So think about that. For now, though, there's not a lot of transparency. I think ultimately we'll see more transparency uh, injury reports like we see with the NFL. But right now, it's a shell game. And, and I don't blame Kirby for not saying, oh, yeah, this guy's out, this guy's out, this guy. No, to start a camp. You know, he was really good with the injury reports. Uh, but then as more, um, what's the word, more integral players started getting injured, key guys that now Clemson can scheme. I mean, if Clemson knows that Fitzpatrick and Darnell Washington are out, that pretty much tells them that George is going to be really challenged to go to a two tight end formation. So that's one less thing that Clemson has to prepare for. They don't really have to worry about Georgia going in that 12 package, right? You might see 11, one back, one tight end, but I think Georgia would be very challenged. Now they could put two, they could put two tight ends out there, but they can't do it nearly as effectively as they could when the blocker, the dual threat blocker slash receiver was Fitzpatrick or Washington. So a part of Georgia's playbook is pretty much gone for the opener. Conversely, one less thing that Clemson really has to be concerned with. And yet, and still, I think Georgia has an advantage. I said, number one, because of the quarterbacks. Now, I'm going to reel it back here. I think because of the front sevens of both of these teams, they're both dynamic. They're both great. You know that Clemson tied for the nation's lead in sacks last year. Some of that is game situations. Teams fall far behind, have to throw it more, hence more opportunities for Clemson to get to the quarterback when the other team's playing catch-up. Georgia, not so much, more close games, et cetera. I do think Georgia has a better front seven. And I also think Georgia has better running backs. And because both teams are going to be more careful throwing the ball, I think that puts more of a priority on the run game. Even though it's both teams will try to be pass first, I still think the team that runs the ball the best will win the football game. And I like Georgia to be that team for two reasons. The last two years, Georgia has led the nation in run defense, and they've done that playing in the SEC, which is a remarkably difficult and challenging task. Last year, Georgia had an incredibly difficult schedule. In 2019, Georgia had an incredibly difficult schedule. This year, Georgia does not have an incredibly difficult schedule, but they still have the best defensive front in football. Clemson ranked 11th in the ACC in rushing last year. 11th. 11 out of 14 teams. That's how bad the Clemson run game was. That's how challenged the Clemson offensive line was. And you lost the number one overall pick in the draft at quarterback? Wow. And you lost a first-round running back? Your running game is not going to be better, Clemson. It's going to be worse. And Georgia will be able to make Clemson more one-dimensional than Clemson will be able to make Georgia. And I think that's because of Kendall Milton. 
I think Kendall Milton as a runner is the best runner on the George team. Now there's other backs that are maybe a little more versatile at this stage. I think James Cook, probably the starter, dynamic on the perimeter, don't think much of him between the tackles. It's not that he can't do it. I don't think he really wants to do it. And I don't think Georgia wants him to do it because he's not the biggest guy. And I've watched James' career closely. I've been very high on James Cook. I think he'll be an effective NFL player, but I think he's a role player. I don't think he's an every down back. I've watched him get hurt running between the tackles on routine hits. You know, some guys are better at it than others. I don't think it's James Forte, and I don't think he's going to be a three down back at this level or in the NFL. I think he's a nice third down back. I think he's a guy you can split out and create matchup problems. He's a burner. He's a playmaker, but he's not an all-around back. Zamir White is a guy that you can count on to be assignment sound, to protect your quarterback, and to get what's there. Okay, Zamir's not going to go backwards. Now, I do have questions about the vision and the breakaway ability. The one run he had against Florida was a matter of Florida's uh, defense being outflanked and a guy taking a bad angle more than it was Zamir making guys miss a la DeAndre Swift. So he's not the home run hitter that I think Georgia needs as an every down back. I think he's a role guy this year, uh, and I think he'll play well. I think he's a lot like Elijah Holyfield. He'll go to the NFL. They're going to love this guy in the locker room. They're going to try to find reasons to keep him on the team, just like we saw Elijah Holyfield still sticking around, wasn't drafted, still sticking around, was the Eagles' leading rusher the other night in the preseason game. I think Zamir White's that guy that sticks around, finds a way but I don't think we ever have him on a fantasy football team starting for you. Now, Kenny McIntosh is a very interesting guy uh, because Kenny is a cutback runner, and I'm not exactly sure how that fits with Todd Munkin's run game scheme, but I know that Kenny is a very reliable receiver. We saw that with the game on the line in the Peach Bowl, Kenny McIntosh, three catches on that game-winning drive, a guy that JT Daniels has a lot of trust in. Don't underestimate the bond and the trust that was built between JT and Kenny in the clutch on that game-winning drive. You remember who was there for you when times get tough. You remember who was there for you when there was adversity, who didn't drop the ball, who didn't fumble, who ran the right route. It was Kenny McIntosh. He's got a chemistry with JT Daniels. There's trust there. Kenny is also a capable back between the tackles, and I think he'll be more effective against some teams than other because I love the cutback style. We had a great show last night with Kenny and Kendall. I don't know if you've seen that show, uh, K&M Squared, but we did it last night, and they took questions from the audience, and, and I peppered them with a few questions as well. And when I asked the running backs who they reminded each other of, I said, Kenny, who does Kendall Milton remind you of? He said, Nick Chubb. I said, all right, Kendall. No pressure there. And then Kendall laughed and, and really didn't feel any pressure because he, he thought like Le'Veon Bell. Like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll see your Nick Chubb. I'll raise your Le'Veon Bell. I covered Le'Veon at Michigan State. I think Kendall is uh, even more of a power runner than Le'Veon. I'm not convinced that he's got the footwork in the hole that Le'Veon had, and I haven't seen him catch the ball like Le'Veon. But I like Kendall in short yardage and power situations more than I liked Le'Veon. And when I covered Le'Veon at Michigan State, he was playing at 245. So that tells you a little something about the power and dynamics of Kendall Milton. I think Kenny McIntosh nailed it. I think he is more like Nick Chubb than Le'Veon Bell. Conversely, Kendall threw LaShawn McCoy out at Kenny. And I, and I like that comparison. I went back and watched some of the shady runs. And LaShawn McCoy was a slippery cutback runner who with breakaway speed. And we've seen that from Kenny McIntosh. Some teams are going to be more susceptible to the cutback runner than others. And these, this is what Del McGee gets paid big money to see, to know which running back is best for what situation. And I think there's certain games when Georgia plays aggressive four-man fronts, I like Kenny in the cutback game. Now, Kendall Milton is a powerful guy uh, who's got just enough wiggle. You're not going to get a direct shot on him. It's going to take more than the first hit to bring him down. He's a guy who can break tackles 
at the second level. That's something that's been missing since DeAndre Swift was on the team. And Kirby talked about that when he was asked earlier, why haven't there been more dynamic runs? He talked about an inability to break tackles at the second level. That was, to me, an indirect comment uh, aimed at probably Zamir White as he's coming back from injury. Now, maybe there'll be a new and improved Zamir this year. But based on what I'm hearing and what little bit I saw in the G-Day game and last season, Kendall Milton is the guy that I would want to see get 15 carries uh, out of that backfield. And I think that Kendall Milton could be the winning edge in this game. So, one, we talked about three reasons why Georgia should, should, I mean they will, should win this game. One, quarterback play. Trust D, I trust JT uh, more than I trust DJ at this stage because I think JT is more experienced and I think there's less pressure. I think there's a lot of pressure on DJ. I don't know how there couldn't be. When you're stepping in the shoes of Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick in the draft, that's a lot of heat, man. It's a lot of heat. And uh, JT, on the other hand, is coming off of really an ideal finish to last season. Uh, he showed you he could go deep with Mississippi State. He showed you he could come back against Cincinnati. He showed you he could be a team guy and hand off a lot against South Carolina. And then he showed you he could play in 30-degree weather. Took some brutal hits uh, against Missouri. So two first two reasons. One, I think Georgia's got the quarterback that makes less mistakes, more experience. Two, I like Georgia better in the run game. I like the I like the Georgia backs better, and also I think the Georgia defensive front is very heavy, okay, a lot bigger. And I had a Clemson offensive lineman tell me that at ACC Media Days. When I was asking him to compare the two, he said Georgia's a lot bigger than us, and therefore I give Georgia the advantage in the run game. Uh, number three, are you ready for this? Number three. Uh, Will Muschamp slash special teams. There's nobody, nobody on this Georgia side of the football that wants this game more than Will Muschamp. I'm going to throw some numbers at you. 56 to 7, 34 to 10, 56 to 35, and 38 to 3. Those were the scores when Will Muschamp played Clemson. All right, I'm going to repeat that. Clemson beat Will Muschamp 56 to 7. 34 to 10, 56, 35, 38 to 3. As I look at this, the closest game was three touchdowns. Muschamp never got closer than three touchdowns, but I'll tell you what he did do. He scouted Clemson every year closely. He recruited against Clemson for several players. There's nobody that knows Clemson any better than Will Muschamp. You put Will Muschamp in the room with DK, Darian Kendrick, who played for Clemson. Will Muschamp is going to learn a lot about Clemson from DK, from Darian Kendrick. Now, Dabo Sweeney made light of it and said, well, you know, if the Patriots played the Buccaneers, you know, I don't know how much, you know, information that would make a difference. Uh, this isn't that. This isn't the end of it. This is college. And I do think there's a lot of inside information. And I like the special teams edge as well. Uh, Jake Camarda, this is a big coming out party for Jake. Jake is a guy that could have been drafted last year had he gone pro. He came back. Uh, I think he's going to have a huge game. And Jack Podlesny comes back after kicking a game-winning 54-year field goal. It's a lot of confidence. And Kenny McIntosh is back on kick return. Remember, he was number two in the nation last year when he injured his knee. So I like the advantages Georgia has. Makes fewer mistakes, runs the ball more effectively, and wins special teams. And, and I'm going to give him the scouting advantage as well with Will Muschamp. Now there's some connections for Clemson and now uh, Freddie Kitchens is good buddies with Dabo and Freddie worked with uh, the Georgia offense coordinator, Todd Munkin. Freddie has a pretty good idea of what Munkin wants to do conceptually. He's going to be able to share some notes with Dabo. There's no doubt that's already happened. So there, there's plenty of yin and yang. Both of these teams uh, are going to scout one another pretty effectively but I give Georgia an advantage in the scouting department. Something I want to mention here, because again, you know, I started that Steve Spurrier award and you're, guy, you're like, Mike, you're throwing a knuckleball. It is a knuckleball. But do you realize Steve Spurrier was six and four against Clemson when he was at South Carolina and he won five straight between 2009 and 2013. So South Carolina wasn't that far removed from Steve Spurrier's success against Clemson when Will took over. 
And I think that's one of the reasons why South Carolina ran out of patience with Will. When you don't beat your rival, that's pretty typical. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people have certain expectations, whether we're talking about football or whether we're talking about our, our kids or our husbands or our wives. And certainly, uh, even when we go out for commerce and try to do business, I'll tell you, uh, it's important to know what to expect and to be able to count on certain things. And you folks know that when this pandemic hit, how important that was uh, that we were able to count on Ingalls. There was a lot of challenges. It was hard. The supply chain could have easily been disrupted. And what would have happened if we weren't able to get our groceries, our meats, our dairies, our vegetables, feed our children's diapers, baby formula? These are things that we just take for granted that aren't a given. It takes effort. It, it takes people working in challenging and dangerous conditions. And that's what the folks at Ingles did for us. And I appreciate that uh, as much as anything. And I appreciate them sponsoring the show. I want to take a moment now to recognize our sponsor, Ingles. It's in our hearts to feel for there's been ups and downs, turnarounds, good days and some bad. But we stand together for worse and for better. We'll always have your back. Open arms, heart to heart, hand in hand. Community strong. Love the audience response to the Ingalls commercial. Uh, it really is a great commercial. Whoever wrote that song, the way that it's performed, you can you can feel it, right? It's legit. You can feel it. It's uh, like I said, it's legit. I put the one hundred on it. I love that Tennille says that she can sing along. Everybody knows the words, and uh, you know that's a tribute to Ingalls and the job that they did. Certainly, and, and a tribute to the audience uh, for the customer loyalty. I know the folks at Ingalls appreciate that. Uh, I certainly appreciate that. I want to take some questions. I've got I've got something else I'm going to go down tonight. I'm going to show you how ridiculous, uh, you know, the way of the preseason magazine, uh, just how awful they can be, how big they can miss. Uh, it, it's really incredible, um, but it's out there, right? I always tell people, buyer beware. When you're a reader and you're figuring out, trying to figure out, well, who do I listen to when it comes to Georgia football news? I, I think most all of the Georgia beat writers – do a really good job. Um, you know, we, we may not all be best friends or we may have different takes or different styles, but I can honestly tell you that professionally, uh, I've got respect for 90% of those guys that are sitting around me in the press box. I think they do a great job. Uh, obviously, you know, Chip Towers at the Atlanta Journal Constitution, that's a guy I've known a long time. Um, I'd bet the bank on anything uh, Chip writes, reports. I think he's one of the best reporters in the business, and we're fortunate. Uh, that we have our partnership with Chip and the AJC. Really enjoy it. I don't know if you saw the other day, Chip had a story we posted on our website. Uh, you know, Connor Riley is a guy that, you know, along with me, we supply the opinions every day. And I know you guys know all about Centel's Intel, uh, but even other beats do a good job, whether it's Athens or 24 uh, seven, you know, like a lot of the stuff from rivals, uh, you know, occasionally the athletic has some pretty good stuff. Uh, everybody I think though is, is journalistically sound that I just mentioned. Um, again, certain styles and tastes and flavors. Yeah, you know, some days you like them, some days you don't. But when you get outside of the Georgia media core, um, man, there's just people throwing stuff against the wall. You know, you guys saw it went off last week on uh, a Big Ten writer friend of mine for ESPN that said Georgia was the most overrated. I said, underachieving program. I said, underachieving. Listen, there's a guy working for PFF, and, and when PFF came out, I love the metrics, but lately PFF has been so off the mark, I'm beginning to wonder if you know it's based in Gainesville or something. They had JT Daniels ranked as the 23rd quarterback in the nation? I mean, what? Who is this guy writing this? Anthony Trash or some shit, something like that? I mean, I don't I, – it's the most bizarre thing ever. I just look at him like, what? Who? How? 23rd? You know, that's not even remotely possible. Based on what he did at USC in 2018, dude, 2018, was that right? Yeah, 2018, we're talking about what he did at 2018 as a true freshman, and you're going to evaluate him on that over what he did last year? It's preposterous. Anyway, let me get to your question now. Uh, what do you guys have for 
mean? Looks like uh, some pretty animated comments in here. USC is the most underachieving. They should have the same success as Clemson. Are you talking about USC in Southern California? Or are you talking about South Carolina? Because I don't think South Carolina is underachieving. I think they've got a really difficult challenge there with Clemson in-state. Only so many bodies to go around. They do have some good facilities. Uh, I'd like to see Shane Beamer do well there. I like Beamer. Um, I think he's a good guy. I see someone's asking me if Kendall Milton's healthy. I, far as I know, we had Kendall on the show, K&M Squared, last night. He seemed to be in pretty good spirits. Seemed to be a kid that was rocking and rolling and, and waiting. Um, should be interesting to see what he does in that first game. Wouldn't be surprised if he had 100-yard rushing in that game. Uh, Mike, who are we talking about on September 7th if UGA wins? Uh, Kendall Milton, um, Brock Bowers, Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean, Lewisine. Uh, those would be the guys. Uh, Jake Camarda with a big game as well. Those are the guys that I think you'll be talking about. Mike, uh, with the guys that come back giving up some veteran leadership. Oh, my gosh, these comments are going so fast I missed it. Uh, you want to know who the leaders are going to be on this team. Well, the good news is there's a lot of leaders on this team. JT Daniels has done a great job. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons why Kirby named him a starter. You know that Kirby really likes – who in the world is FaceTiming me? I've got to decline that. I'm sorry. Who in the world is going to FaceTime me while I'm doing the show? Craziest thing ever. Um, I was talking about leadership. JT Daniels, this is all right. We gotta stop this. I don't know who this is, but I'm not going to take a FaceTime right now. Stop it. I don't know who's doing that. Stop FaceTiming me. Put you on the line. Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm not that popular. I think somebody's trolling me or hitting their uh button or whatever. I guess I got to put my phone on uh, airplane mode. Sorry about that. It's bizarre. Um, JT Daniels is a guy, I think Kirby named him as a starter <laughs> to, to let everybody know, hey, look, this is the guy. Put JT in a position to lead. I think in hindsight, J, J, uh, that Kirby should have done that with Jake Fromm earlier in his career. I think that really led to some confusion and in an indirect way, probably undermined Jake's authority on that football team. Uh, but getting back with JT Daniels, he's been the clear leader. Uh, as Kirby said, you know, or maybe it was Munkin that was talking about how when you're the, the starting quarterback, you're the guy that sets up the throwing sessions. You're the guy that kind of holds everybody else accountable. And I think Georgia really got a head start by naming JT the starter. I don't think there was really any question. Carson has come along. Brock Vandegrift has a cannon for an arm. Uh, will be a great quarterback. Don't know who next year is. Let's not go there yet. We'll figure that out when we get there. But uh, I think JT's leadership is huge. Jamari Salyer is universally respected and liked. Uh, I think that the fact that Jamari can play tackle, guard, center, I mean, wow, that's really impressive. I think in the NFL he's a guard, but just the fact that Jamari is able and willing to play any of these spots for the team just speaks volumes about who and what Jamari Salyer is. Also, don't forget, if Jamari did not go to Georgia, he was going to go to Clemson. A lot of times when these players face the team that they almost went to, they always show out and play well. And I am banking on Jamari Salyer to have a huge game against Clemson and do a good job, uh, likely at the tackle position, provided Cedric Van Pran can handle it at center, which I think he can. So I'm naming two big leaders right there. Karis Jackson, a leader in the receivers room. It's great to see him back from the knee injury that he had this summer, the knee surgery. Uh, I want to see him with, I want to see that brace off before the Clemson game. That would tell me that he feels confident with that knee and he feels fast with that knee. So uh, that's another one that I would talk about. Defensively, Jordan Davis is the guy. I mean, this is his city, Charlotte. Uh, I recently saw some player rankings I'll get to in a minute. The Clemson defensive tackles were rated ahead of him. I think that's ridiculous. Uh, that's like slapping uh, Jordan Davis in the face and pouring cold water over his head. Uh, so I think, you know, don't kick a sleeping dog, let sleeping dogs lie. Uh, I think Jordan Davis goes in there fired up and has maybe the best game of his career. Remember, I said Clemson had some issues at center. I expect Jordan Davis to dominate that game. Uh, Adam Anderson is a weapon. He's a guy they'll move around. Clemson will certainly have a plan for him. Uh, they may be able to neutralize him. 
Uh, Nicobe is a sideline to sideline tackler. He's another leader. We're talking about leaders here. Lewis Seen, another guy. Kirby just raved about the other day how far Lewis has come. Maybe not as vocal as they would like yet, uh, but man, uh, does he lead by example. Pretty excited. All right, back to the question here. Uh, oh, Johnny Lester says, Mike doesn't know how to mute his phone. Well, Johnny, I do. I thought the first call was, uh, you know, maybe uh, one of those butt dials or something. And so I didn't switch it on to airplane mode uh, until just now. And as much as I am capable of multitasking, uh, I didn't feel like it was a need because I typically don't get odd FaceTime calls uh, randomly uh, in the middle of the evening like I did. So, yes, I am capable. And yes, the phone has been muted. So thank you. Uh, Andrea wants to know, is there any news on Darnell Washington? No, there's not. Uh, we reported last week that Darnell underwent surgery. Uh, that was a surprise to me. I knew he had a foot injury. I didn't recognize that it was one that would require surgery, but the sources say that him and Tyke Smith both had surgery. That's disappointing. Uh, Darnell is a game changing player. He is a transformational player. Uh, he's a one man wrecking machine. And I think Florida will feel the wrath later in the season. But I think right now you're going to be without Darnell Washington for a little while. What other questions do we have here? Are you okay with Brainy? Barry Anderson wants to know. I don't know. I hope so. You know, Brainy's been with the program, what, four or five years and hadn't started. Uh, I thought he played decent against Cincinnati. Um, he obviously made a pretty key tackle late. Uh, him and uh, Nicobe both had key stops on Cincinnati's final drive to get the ball back to JT with under two minutes left at his own 20. Uh, I'll be interested to see if Clemson attacks him. Probably will. And, again, I think Clemson has really good receivers. Uh, I think that Georgia is going to pressure Clemson, and Dabble is going to have to pick his spots when he goes deep, when he puts DJ at risk of the Georgia pass rush. I think you'll see a lot of short stuff. And Clemson trying to stay ahead of the chains with the short passing game. That's why it's going to be so important that Nicobe Dean is able to play out in space and that Brini is able to come up from the star and make those plays that we know that Tyke Smith would have made. Uh, let's see, what other questions do y'all have for me here? Taking a look at the questions as they come in here. Uh, I'm not seeing any more chatter here. Taking a look. Uh, Dog Nation could DJ's running ability, Johnny says. DJ, here's the here's the problem here. Um, if you're Clemson, you really don't want to run DJ in this game. You've got a long season ahead of you, and it's a lot like Jake Fromm last year, uh, or excuse me, two years ago. There really was no number two. And Clemson needs DJU to walk out of this game. So while you say DJ can run, he can, but – it's not like he's going to be running like he would in a college football playoff game because he's got a long season ahead of him, and they're not going to want to take chances with him any more than Georgia is going to want to put JT Daniels at risk. So uh, DJ does have some mobility, but but he's not Marcus Mariota. This isn't a guy that's going to make Georgia linebackers miss in space. This is a guy who can buy time, um, but I would put him uh, maybe on the level of, of uh, Joe Burrow without the moves. I don't think he's that mobile. I think that's overrated. This is a guy that weighs 250 pounds. Now, there may be a challenge uh, once you get to him of getting him down before he's able to throw it away, but I don't think he's a guy that's going to run away from you. Uh, does Georgia have the best chance to win the East this year? Uh, Derek Walker wants to know. Uh, yeah, yeah, by far, not even close. Um, it's Georgia and everybody else. Now, Florida is reloaded, and I think Florida does have – a decent defense, but there's a lot of questions on offense. There's questions at the quarterback position. And uh, I think Dan Mullen is a good offensive coach, but I just think there's too much of a talent differential between George and Florida. So I like Georgia to win uh, the East Griff, Does cook have more receptions or rush attempts this season. Zach wants to know. That's a good question. Um, if you were to tell me, if you were to ask me, does he have more targets or catch it or, or runs. I would say that's going to be pretty, pretty equal, but I'm going to go with runs um, because I see James probably, I'm going to say between 30 and 40 catches. And I think probably 
50 or 60 runs. I think it'll be pretty close. Um, I think that's a good question. Uh, Coffee and Bailey, Rook says. Rook, you're a rookie. Uh, I am a green tea drinker, although tonight it's actually – oh, my goodness, it is green tea. I thought I was having some uh, some vanilla dessert tea, but it's actually the green tea. I better be careful. Don't want to have too much caffeine this late. Uh, what do I think – Andy wants to know, what do I think about the pass run game mix against Clemson? So here's where I'm going to make you guys smarter than seemingly everybody else that's that's talking about this game or that's talking about the Georgia offense. So so listen closely, and you will sound very smart when you repeat this. The leading receiver, the leading rusher, the run-pass game ratio will be determined by Clemson or by UAB or by Arkansas or by Auburn. Uh, this offense – and I, I call it the amoeba offense. I looked it up, and actually that, that name was stolen. I guess the Denver Broncos once ran an amoeba offense. An amoeba is something that can change shape, right? And that's the beauty of what the Georgia offense can do. Now, we talked earlier about maybe not being able to run double tight end if Fitzpatrick's not back or, or depending on what Darnell Washington's condition. But the beauty of Todd Munkin's offense is that you can go to the line and literally pick your play. And now it's not as simple as, well, then why doesn't everybody do it? Well, because everybody doesn't have JT Daniels. JT Daniels is a guy, uh, uh, I think Saban is the word. I mean, this guy's brilliant. He goes to the line. He makes the pre-snap read. He sees everything. He knows what the defense is doing based on his read. He adjusts his protections. He even adjusts the routes. And if need be, he can change the play from run to pass or pass to run. So he has a huge advantage and that he can get his team right before every – this is like what Peyton Manning would do. And when you have a quarterback or a Tom Brady, now you still got to make all the throws. You can adjust to the right play. You can adjust the protections. You can change the routes. But you still got to make the throws. And your receivers and your line have to be able to listen and be assignment sound when you change the play. And it sounds easier than it is. For example – Moments ago, you watched as it took me some time to process to turn my phone off while doing a live show. Now, I'm a pretty smart guy, but while I'm doing a show and my mind is focused on delivering a message and interacting with the audience, it's kind of like an information overload. Well, wait a minute. I got to kind of think about this all at once as I, okay, well, quarterback, same way. You're going to the line. You got the play clock ticking down. You got to figure out your protection. You got to look at the coverage. You got to make the right adjustments. You got to be prepared to check down. And then in that mind of yours, you've got to have the windows and the timing to know where everybody will be when as you go through your progressions. I mean, think about the dimensional thinking that goes into playing quarterback. And then you have to have the muscle memory and the arm talent to deliver the throw to a moving target. Playing quarterback ain't easy. So when I talk about being able to fly the jet, that ain't easy either. And playing quarterback has been likened to flying the jet. This was a quarterback coach by the name of Steve Clarkson. And this was his analogy about seven or eight years ago when I spent some time with him talking about quarterbacks that play in the pro-style offense. I was doing a story in Michigan State that had Kirk Cousins and Connor. They had four guys that were in the NFL at one time. And how were they doing it? They were running a pro-style offense. Georgia runs a pro-style offense. Uh, Clemson runs some pro concepts, but it's pretty much simplified. Like Oklahoma, like Ohio State, where the players read half the field. There's no, no shame in that. Steve Spurrier did that at Florida in the 90s. It makes for a higher execution. But to be more effective, if you've got a quarterback that can read the entire field and beat the defense with his pre-snap read, something Jake Fromm did. I remember going to the NFL Combine and talking to a lot of those players that played George and Jake Fromm saying, what made Jake Fromm good? And the Baylor guy telling me, man, that guy could sight adjust and make adjustments and, and get one leg up on us. We didn't have time to adjust. You go to the line, you like what you see, you snap, you go. Defense can't adjust. You go to the line, you don't like what you see. You see what the defense is doing. You adjust. Defense doesn't have time to adjust. And so that's the advantage. And so getting back to your question, the defense determines where the ball goes based on where the offense sees the most favorable matchup. When we talk about the air raid, 
the air raid is a concept of throwing to space and air. You see the defensive alignment. You know where the holes in the zone will be, or you know where the favorable man-to-man matchups will be, depending on the leverage inside out or outside in that the defensive backs are playing on the receivers. And you call the play that is most likely to work, or you adjust the routes and you throw to the receiver who's most likely to be open based on what the defense is giving you. So it's hard to predict who's going to be the leading guy because Clemson and how Clemson plays is going to have a lot to do with it. So will the game situation. If Georgia gets up three touchdowns, JT Daniels isn't going to be pushing the ball downfield. It's going to turn into more of a controlled passing game, high percentage, run the ball, run clock, stay more efficient, don't take chances. So that's the long answer to your question. What else you got for me tonight? What other questions you got? Let's see here. Uh, I don't see any other questions. All right, let me get to the story that blew my mind today. There was a top 100 list of players put out. Oh, this will be interesting. I wonder how many players in the top 100 Georgia football has. The answer? The top 100 players, four. Four. This place only ranked four Georgia players in the top 100. I just don't even know what to say about that. It blew me away. It absolutely blew me away. Uh, JT Daniels was the highest ranked Georgia player. He came in at number 23. And, and I, I I think, okay, that's that's not bad. Maybe that's legit. But then I had to go all the way down. I'm looking here right now. Probably gone down to like 41, something like that. 41, Tyke Smith. Look, Tyke is, is a great player, West Virginia, but he's not better than Lewis Seen. I mean, Tyke is, is kind of an undersized linebacker. Um, he's a guy that's going to come downhill. I think he's decent in coverage. I don't think that's his forte. But I think he's a guy that can really hit and make plays in space. Uh, that star position, I think he's ideal for it. Um, but Lewis Seen is, is a better NFL prospect, and I think a better player. Uh, I think Lewis gives you a little better coverage. I think he gives you the same run support. Uh, I like his length, and I like his speed. So I, I was a little surprised by that ranking. Uh, they also had George Pickens in the top 100. I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, you know, I, I give him a pass on Tyke because Tyke was injured. Uh, Tyke was injured recently in the fall. But George Pickens went down with a knee injury at the end of March. I, I don't know how in the world you can have George Pickens in the top 100 when we may not even see George Pickens until November. Uh, that's a bit of a stretch. Also thought it was interesting that they had Brenton Cox in the top 100. How about this? How about having Brenton Cox ranked higher in the top 100 than Jordan Davis? Who would you rather have? I mean, how flawed is this? I'm going through the list right now looking at it. It's just incredible to me that these players, where they were ranked, Brenton Cox, number 59. Really? Really? Number 59. Uh, they had Zamir White ranked, I believe, uh, in the 80s, if I'm not mistaken. You know, Zamir's probably not the best running back in the backfield. Um, much, you know, Jordan Davis, 87. Zamir White, 90. I mean, Jordan Davis is is comically that, – that ranking is comically low. He's probably one of the top 15, if not 10, players in the country. But, again, it just goes to show you how poor the perception uh, or how – not poor, but uh, incorrect the perception is of Georgia. You know, it's kind of like you've got one preseason position player at Georgia, and yet you pick him number five in the country. And yet you question Kirby Smart. Now, which one is it? If Kirby's a bad coach, then I don't think he should be in the top five with only one all-conference first-team player. Uh, if he's a good coach, then I, I think that makes sense. But Georgia has more than one first-team all-CC guy. It, it's, to me, it's just it's crazy. I, I don't think the, the dogs get their respect. I think this game would go a long way toward rectifying that. It doesn't guarantee anything. Um, it certainly gives Georgia a good start. I, I think Georgia is the better condition team. I know they've worked harder maybe almost to a fault. Um, but those three reasons that I talked about why Georgia would win, the quarterback play, I do think that uh, the quarterback play favors Georgia. 
Uh, I think JT is less likely to force the ball, less likely to make mistakes. I like Munkin's offense a lot. I think Todd Munkin uh, is the better coordinator in this game. I know Elliott gets all the love. I think Todd Munkin is ingenious, though. I think this guy is so smart, and I think JT is going to make him look smart, and he's going to make JT look good. Provided these receivers do their job, provided Jermaine Burton stays healthy, provided Kyrus Jackson can can run after the offseason knee surgery, provided Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint, if these receivers and Cortez Hankton can just get it done and make these guys' assignments sound, I think Georgia wins this game. I really do. Um, less mistakes at quarterback, better run game. Uh, I think both defenses have an advantage over the offensive line, but I think Georgia's defense has a bigger advantage over Clemson's offensive line. I also think Kendall Milton is the best runner in this game. I like what James Cook can do out of the backfield, uh, but when push comes to shove, Georgia's going to have to run this football and show some balance, and that's where I think that they have an advantage. And then I'm going to give Will Muschamp. Sooner or later, Will's got to win this game. He got pounded by Clemson when he was at South Carolina. He has scouted this team thoroughly. That's why I would say Georgia is should, should win this game. And uh, with that, I'm going to call it a night. Uh, I want to thank all of you for being on here with me. I wanted to ask you if you could, uh, if you've got a question, um, ask it in the comments. If you could follow me on Twitter at Mike Griffith 32, you'll see a lot of the work that I do uh, on other videos, on radio shows. I put the links up. Uh, I do a show in Atlanta every Monday and Athens every Monday morning. I think you would like those appearances. They're pretty spirited between 8 and 8.30. Uh, and I typically uh, do a show in Nashville on Tuesday morning. So if you follow me on Twitter at MikeGriffith32, uh, you'll be able to see where else you could find me. Tomorrow night, Connor Riley has Connor in coverage. On Wednesday morning, usually around 10.30, I appear on Dog Nation Daily with Brandon Adams. And then on Wednesday night, you have Jeff Centel. Jeff was at the Jefferson County Raven County game. Uh, I know he has many tales to tell, uh, and he has some strong feelings about those high-ranking Georgia commits that played in that game. That's Wednesday night, Centel Intel. And then on Thursday night, I believe, I, I think that we are going to have a cover four. So there you go. It's, it's, it's a busy week. Um, it's a busy week. And I'm looking forward to telling you guys more about what's going on at Georgia. Check my piece out in the morning. Uh, I've got some pretty interesting things to say about that top 100 uh, beyond what I said tonight. And uh, everybody, just have a have a really safe and kind week. People are being crazy out there. Don't be among the crazy people. Be nice to each other because things are getting tough. So uh, be safe, be careful, and I look forward to seeing you later this week.